almost live from the ironing board studios it is take a shower show up on time and don't steal anything hey if it's your first time listening to the podcast it's called the ironing board studios because i do it in my guest room on the top of an ironing board and right after i'm done with the podcast i've got ironing to do and then i got boy scouts to go to my god how are you uh, it's been a week since we've talked last time, and the, the last week has been crazy. Um, I hope you've had a good week. Uh, thank you for listening to the podcast. We've got a lot of really cool stuff to cover this week. I'm really excited about the podcast this week. Uh, we've got so much that we probably won't have time for all of it, which is kind of like it's good. It's like the party that you don't want to end. You would rather have it end while you're still having a good time, then to have people go, oh my God, when is this going to end? Uh, I had a busy weekend. I was with Boy Scouts doing um, Red Cross first Red Cross first aid training all weekend. Gave up the weekend for that because somebody had to do it. So me and a bunch of other scout dads and moms uh, learned everything about uh, CPR and AED. Did you know that more women die of public cardiac arrest than men do? Do you know why that is? Because uh, the public and strangers in general don't want to touch a woman's chest to give her CPR or to administer an AED, one of those boxes that hangs on the wall in Target or in a waiting room or over at Cub or whatever. Um, uh, those things require you to basically take somebody's shirt off and cut it off if you need to and remove the bra also. And a lot of people just don't want to do that. So women die while people are trying to decide whether they want to do it or waiting for somebody else to do it or saying you do it. So, uh, hey, listen, I can't teach you first aid, but I can only tell you two things. Number one, women would much rather live and have you probably see their bare boobs than to die with their top on. Also, the AEDs tell you what to do. You can say, I don't know how to use one. No, they talk. They talk, and they're actually way more simple. So if you see somebody and you think they're having a heart attack, um, then then do that. And uh, it's better than doing nothing. Okay, let's dive right into the podcast. I'm going to tell you a quick story that has really no context in today's podcast. It's just kind of an interesting story. And I want to just throw it out there because I think it's really interesting. So there's a string of clothing store robberies. And what happens is the robber or robbers break into clothing stores, um, middle of the night, smash the front window, they run in, they grab the clothing, they're wearing masks, nobody can see what they look like, uh, they grab as much clothing from the racks as they possibly can, and they're out of there before the cops arrive. And this happens over and over, and I don't know how many times it happened, but somebody got the idea to try to slow them down a little bit. Now, without locking up the clothing and without putting a security guard or security cameras, what do you think they could possibly do? Remember, what they did is they would run into the clothing store, smash the windows, run in, and just buy the armfuls, grab tons of clothing off the racks and load it into their arms or into a trash bag and run out. You know, whether it was leather jackets or expensive clothing, they got away with a whole lot over and over. What do you think that one cop or detective decided to try to slow them down? Well, here's what they did. I think it's really interesting. They had the store put the hangers on in alternating, whether it's facing you or facing away. So in other words, this hanger would face the wall. This hanger would face you. The next hanger would face the wall. The next hanger would face you. 
And sure enough, it worked. So the next time they got the alarm, they rushed over to whatever clothing store was being robbed. And sure enough, there was the robber or robbers still individually plucking items of clothing from the clothing rack. Isn't that genius? I just love that story. There's no moral to it. But maybe if there is a moral to it, what would you say it is? Maybe that there's always a solution or sometimes there's a better solution or sometimes you just got to think about it from a different angle, which literally is what they did. I don't know. I just really like that story. I, I love puzzles like that. Uh, all right. So we're going to talk about a couple of things. First of all, let's talk about the sad, sad demise of Toys R Us. And I know by the time you heard this, it's it's going to be a week or more ago. And But it's sad. And you wonder how a toy store that had such a huge lead and been around for 70 years um, could blow it. How could they bomb? How could they suffer so badly that they had to close up? And there's all kinds of different theories. Um, I'm going to give you a couple that I read, and I'd love to hear what you think, too. Uh, one theory is that kids don't play with toys like they used to anymore. I've had two kids in the last 26 years that... I've seen a big difference in Allison played with toys. She had a dollhouse. Uh, she had toys. Uh, Carson never really played with toys. He had a red helicopter and he had some other things. He had mighty beans and mighty beans and some other toys. He had wiggles cars and wiggle slippers, but he never really played with toys that much. Um, he just did not. Kids don't play with toys as much. They play with what? They play with their tablets, especially now. You go into Applebee's and you see, you know, seven-year-old little Katie, and she's playing with her mom's phone, or she's got her own tablet. And they say kids get older a lot younger than they used to, so a nine-year-old might not play with toys like she used to. What toy did you play with when you were 10 years old? Um, you know, there's not a lot of toys you play with when you're 10 years old. Allison's last toy that she got was when she was 11, almost 12 years old. And it was a Kerplunk game. And that was a game with marbles and sticks. And it was fun. And that was the last toy she ever got at 11 years old. So kids don't play with toys like they used to. Uh, also, there's Amazon. There's always that. But then a lot of people, there's a guy that I put on our Facebook page, take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything on Facebook, that basically says uh, Toys R Us blew it. They stayed the same store that they had always been. They did not try to change with the times. They did not try to innovate. They just kept doing the same thing and crossing their fingers that it would work. And as you know, that didn't work for Sears and that didn't work for Kmart. Um, you know, Walmart figured out a way to deeply discount things and sell everything. And while Sears had probably better quality stuff, people wanted cheap shit. So they went to Walmart and they got their cheap shit. How did Kmart blow it? They sold cheap shit too. I don't know. Walmart did something that Sears and Kmart could not figure out how to do. I don't know what it is. Uh, why else did Toys R Us not work out. What are your theories? I think it's just really fascinating. Check out a video. It's about two minutes long on Facebook, the Dave Ryan in the morning show for a guy who's got a theory as to why Toys R Us didn't innovate. And I know here's one. Uh, when other retailers like Target or Walmart saw that Toys R Us was struggling, they slashed the prices on their toys. Why? Well, 
because they could make it up on other stuff. If you go into Target to buy a toy that's less than they have it over at Toys R Us, they might lose money on that toy, but they're going to make money still on bed sheets and towels and can openers and coffee makers. So Target had that to fall back on, and Toys R Us did not. I think that's really interesting. All right, we're going to move into a chapter from the book. Hey, that's what it's all based on. Take a shower, show up on time, and don't steal anything. And um, but the book is still available on Amazon, or you can download it on Kindle. And um, the, the, the book is uh, uh, still out there. As a matter of fact, I get a check every month or so um, for people still buying the book uh, two, three years after it's been out. And I totally appreciate you buying the book. All right, we're going to do chapter number 78. Boys pee standing up. Girls pee sitting down. Oh, there's going to be somebody who's saying, Dave, don't you tell me how I'm going to pee. I'll pee any way I want to. Of course you will. I can't tell you how to pee. But I'm going to read this to you and see what we think here. There are quite a few parents who actually make their boys sit down to pee. I know it's really popular to strip away our kids' gender identity and tell them that both sexes are the same and wonderful, wonderful in every way, but this is one of the last things on earth that only men can do. We pride ourselves in it. We write our names in the snow. We attack that urinal mint with the fervor usually reserved for hand-to-hand -hand combat. We pee standing up, and we like it that way, so your little guy might miss here and there. It's part of being a boy. Teach him to clean it up. That's also part of being a boy. Um, I still firmly believe this. I know that there are men who go, I like to pee sitting down. I don't believe you. I. It's much easier to pee standing up. There are men who say, well, my mom taught me to pee sitting down so I don't pee all over the toilet seat and on the floor. Well, you're a grown-up now, and you can probably learn to aim a little bit better. And then there are women who say, I do not let my boys pee standing up. They make a mess. Yeah, I guess you could argue that. But listen, I still think boys pee standing up Women pee sitting down. Hey, if a woman wants to pee standing up, more power to her. But I don't know. It's kind of a fun chapter. Really, is it the most important thing in life? No. Or is it? All right. Another story. Um, we I, I've been reading this story about Elizabeth Holmes. Do you know who Elizabeth Holmes is? I'll fill you in really quickly. She was touted as being the female Steve Jobs. Elizabeth Holmes invented with her company Theranos, I think that's how you say it, a blood test kit that can do hundreds of blood tests on one drop of blood taken from your middle finger. Well, right now, you know how it is. They want to test you for this and this and cholesterol and heart disease and cancer and vitamin deficiencies and iron or whatever. They got to take three or four vials out of your arm and nobody likes it and it's awful and everybody hates needles. People say, I hate needles. No, of course you hate needles. Nobody loves needles. I hate them too, so I'm in the same boat with you. So she invented a company or founded a company, dropped out of Stanford when she was 19, and said, I've hated needles all my life. I've got to invent a way to test people for all these different things with a drop of blood that I can put into a machine that I can draw from their finger with one quick little finger prick. And so she did. 
and the company was worth billions of dollars and the testing was going really well and the product was going to hit the market soon and doctors were excited and investors were excited. Of course, the public was excited. Her company was excited. The world was excited because in the same way that Steve Jobs changed computing and personal devices, she was going to change medicine by being able to do blood tests, hundreds of blood tests on one little drop of blood. Everything was going great until... They caught her lying about everything. She did not have a blood test machine that worked. It could not work. It would not work, at least not in anything close to its present form. It could not and would not work. And she knew that. And her company knew that, especially the top executives. They knew it wasn't working. But they went as far as to lie about it, and send out tests with blood that they received to other blood testing companies to get results and then claim that it came from their own blood testing equipment, which, remember, it did not work. Now, I look at a story like that, and I first the, my first reaction is, what a terrible person. How could somebody defraud so many people, and how could they lie, and how could they get so many people's hopes up? But, you know, you, you, you get a little more experience with people and you say, well, why did she do that? You know, I think she always hoped that somewhere down the road it would work and she needed to show her investors progress. So what started as a little white lie soon turned into something much bigger. And I think, you know what, we've all been in something like this where, you know, you might cover for a coworker who is stealing I don't know, computer paper from work. And he's like, hey, don't tell anybody, but I really need this paper because I'm broke and my son's got a project due and it's just a computer paper. And you're like, okay. Well, then you don't know. What you didn't know is that he's been taking tons of computer paper, like maybe hundreds of dollars worth of computer paper. And uh, and they ask you about it and they say, did you know that he's stealing computer paper? And you're like, well, uh, no. And then you go to him and you say, why did you, you didn't tell me you were stealing tons of this. So, but now you've gotten yourself in some deep shit because you knew about it. So it's kind of like that in a way that she knew about it. But rather than stop and say, you know what? I ain't got shit here. This thing that I built is not working. She kept going. So ask yourself, what would you have done in her situation? you got a billion-dollar company. you got the whole world looking at you. You've got investors and a company full of people and employees that are looking at you to develop this. What would you do? Would you go, you know what? Shit doesn't work. Sorry to tell you. I'm sorry. I'm going to Costa Rica. I'm going to be gone for a month. I'm just going to chill. When I come back, I'm going to get a job over at Kohl's and maybe try something else. Hmm. Or would you keep saying, yeah, we're almost there. We're almost there. What do you think? Hey, some thought-provoking stuff on the old podcast this week. Let me give you a couple of things that we're going to talk about next week on the podcast. I'm on spring break next week. You probably are too. You might be out of town. Go to Hawaii. Go to Florida. Go to uh, Texas or whatever and have a great spring break. Um, but when we come back in two weeks, uh, somebody wrote a great email. And I want to read this to you because it's such a great email. And I really want to talk about this. Uh, it's going to take me a moment to pull it up on my phone, but not too long because, you know, everything is right here at our fingertips now. So she uh, wrote an email. Her name is Jenna Gulickson. What a great Minnesota name, Jenna Gulickson. 
and here she is. She says, huge fan with an idea for a podcast topic. Dave, Stephen, and Fallon. First of all, love your show. I've been listening since middle school, now live in San Diego, listen to the podcast every day. Tweet at you guys way too much, but I can't help it. I'm obsessed. Anyway... I was listening to you just now in the car and wanted to bring up an idea for you. Dave mentioned something on the show about having Jenny come up with more drama to share because I don't have much else planned for the show today. It got me thinking about the process of planning the morning show and how curious I am, and probably lots of other listeners as well, about what goes into planning the Dave Ryan in the morning show. For example, throughout the morning, you touch on various conversation topics inspired by your day-to-day lives, like whether calling boys evil is affecting their behavior. But even something as simple as Fowling pointing out that Dave's shirt looks him like look like a, quote, buffalo, which had me in tears too, by the way. Regarding these conversations, I thought to myself, do Dave, Stephen, Fallon come up with a list of conversation topics that appear to be spontaneous during the show, but are actually pre-planned so everyone has time to think of interesting comments to make? This is just one example, but it got me so curious about all the little details that go into planning the morning show and how there are probably a lot of things that would really surprise me and interest listeners. So... My suggestion is this. It would be so cool to have an episode of Dave's podcast and call it something like 10 Things You Didn't Know About the Dave Ryan Show and focusing on the work you do to create each morning show, etc., etc. Having Fallon and Steve guest star on that episode would be extra interesting. Just this one episode. Just want to share this idea with you. Anyway, she goes on, and, and it's very complimentary. And Jenna, thank you very much. And guess what? We're going to do that next time on the podcast. And Jenna, if you're listening to the podcast, I even want to call you and have you guest star on the podcast. Hey, and I want to thank everybody who, if you've reached out to say, hey, Dave, I want to have you come by my house and do the podcast at my living room table. I would love to. As it turns out, I'm so busy that it's really been hard to do it. I did it with Sam a couple of weeks ago. We had a great time, but there's so many nice people who've invited me to your house to sit there at your kitchen table and do the podcast. And I really wish I could but like you, there's so many things to do. As soon as I'm done with this podcast, I'm going to go downstairs. Oh, I got to iron first. Then I got to go downstairs and do uh, make dinner for Meatless Monday. It's crunchy black bean tacos this week. And uh, I guess we should stop eating so much meat because meat is bad for the environment in every way. And you know, I'm not like crazy vegetarian, but I do like the planet. And I really would like to have it around for, you know, like a few more years. That'd be kind of cool. All right, wrapping things up. Thanks for listening, as always. I totally appreciate it. There are so many podcasts out there to listen to, and the fact that you chose my little old podcast, I really appreciate it. Thank you. I sincerely mean that. Uh, also, send an email anytime with thoughts or anything to Ryan, or actually Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. That's Dave Ryan at kdwb.com. Um, check out the Facebook page. Facebook.com, take a shower, but just search for take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. Uh, And you can also get the book on Amazon uh, and download the Kindle version. Take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. Thanks again for listening. Have a great spring break week. And I will see you in two weeks on take a shower, show up on time and don't steal anything. Thanks for listening.